Thank you for joining us for the Redemption Church podcast as we go through a series with Pastor Daniel called Lessons Learned from a Sabbatical. Uh, Man, it is so good to be with you, to share God's word. And this is a response to the gospel, the good news that we can have a relationship with God. Let us not forget that we gather here together, not just for a cute Bible study or even singing a song, but the presence of God and knowing that he is with us. And so let us just have that attitude and that mindset as we come to God's word that God speaks, he ministers, he loves, he cares. He cares for you. He brought you here in this moment, whether you be in the room or listening online, you are hearing someone say, God loves you. And that is biblical truth. And that someone is me. Hello, everyone. Pastor Daniel. I just got to meet someone over the summer that I didn't get to meet before. It was awesome. It's great. I love how the Lord continues to bring new people through our doors and how we're able to go in the community and share the gospel. And uh, as many of you guys know, over the summer, my family and I uh, celebrated um, going on a sabbatical, stopping work, resting and delighting in God's grace. It was for a season, a planned proactive sabbatical for three months. Let me just say, man, it was an amazing time. And it was an amazing time, not because the vacation was good and and, uh, the rest was good, but because the Lord is good. Amen? God does amazing things as you seek Him and as you're obedient and walking by faith. And this is something that we walked by faith, stepped out and walked in. And and what I'm trying to do is something a little bit different. We tend to go book by book, verse by verse through uh, the Gospels and through all of God's Word, Old Testament, New Testament. But what I'm doing is trying to share my heart and open up in the series I'm calling Lessons Learned from a Sabbatical. Lessons Learned from the Sabbatical, where I'm sharing you experiences and things that God has taught me through story-like, but then also ask you questions so you learn a principle. And sort of here's where we've been at in this series. This is the fourth week. The first three weeks we sort of covered talking about the importance of abiding in Christ. As we got to do that a lot and be in the presence of God, just hearing the voice of the Lord and being with him, enjoying the grace he has. And like Pastor Robin said earlier during communion, seeking the kingdom first and all of his righteousness and just seeking God's taking hours upon hours of meditation and prayer and in the word and, and just going after him. And we've been talking about the importance of abiding in Christ. What is your measure of success? The importance of seeking Jesus first, not making good things into God things. And then last week we talked about taking the time to listen, to listen to God, because we believe God speaks through his word, but also through the spirit of God and gives us all a calling or something to do, a a purpose. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. He's given you gifts, and oftentimes we need to drown out the noise and hear his voice and go to him. All these lessons taking a lot of time, took a lot of process, a lot of um, contemplation, And so I've been asking and processing these things with you as a community because we did the sabbatical together. Pastor Robin led so graciously and faithfully and and just amazing, and the team did such a good job. And so we've been giving you these questions to contemplate as I'm teaching God's Word and sharing these stories. The, The first message was, what is the measure of your success? The second message was, where do you go to find joy and strength? Something I think we all need. And last week was, where or what is your calling? Well, today's question I want you to ponder and think through as we go to God's Word, as we share stories, as we uh, talk a lot about this topic of moving forward, of hearing from God, and a plan and purpose for our life is this. Are you walking in wisdom? 
Are you, not me, I'm going to share you how I walked in wisdom and what I did about my calling, but I want you to take the principle and ask you this question, are you walking in wisdom? You see, because the first three weeks are really about reflecting on what, right? What are we worshiping? What is our calling? Listening to God, taking time for that. Today, I want to shift gears on this series and talk in in the realm of how. How do we apply what God has spoken to us? After we've sought him, after we hear his word and the Holy Spirit is speaking, how how do we do this? And I I love how the Bible addresses both, the what and the how. It gives wisdom and direction, but it also gives power and purpose because our God knows what we want. Last week, we focused on the what from our calling. What is our calling? What is the will of God for my life? If you did not hear that message, you can go back on our podcast on our website, YouTube. You can listen to it because I think it's a very common question, even for Christians. What's the will of God? What is the purpose and plan for my life? We looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 through 31, and Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 through 8, because the Bible says that we have a calling, a purpose to do good deeds, and we have to find out what in the world, how do we do that? This week, we're going to stay in those two letters because I want you to see the correlation that Paul addresses not only you have a calling, but then he says, how do you fulfill that calling? So tonight in your Bible, if you have them, two places, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19 through 27. And we'll do the same thing in Ephesians, the next chapter. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 18. Paul continues these letters of Scripture to help us and focus on the, the how, the now what. After God speaks to you, after you are hearing His Word and, and He gives you some direction, what do you do with your life? And so what we'll do, we'll always do. We'll read the text. We'll study together. We'll pray. We'll ask God to speak. It's a little bit different, but I'll read all of the text all at once, and then we'll go for it. All right, we'll start in 1 Corinthians. This is the Apostle Paul speaking again to the church in Corinth. In verse 19 through 27, he says this, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ. You see how we have to study this? This is like a tongue twister over here, okay? But I'm giving it to you all up front. That I might win those outside the law. Verse 22, to the weak, I became weak. Why? That I might win the weak. I became all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. And then he gives us the illustration of verse 24. Do you know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating in the air, but I discipline my body and I keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Now, the second passage or scripture I want to look at tonight, because we looked at Ephesians last week as well, is chapter 5 of Ephesians. After Paul says, walk worthy in a manner of your calling, in verse 15 of Ephesians 5, we'll look at 15 through 18, it says this, look carefully then how you walk 
not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Therefore, or because of this, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. There's that thing that we can understand, the will of the Lord for our lives and his plan and his purpose. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is a debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Let's pray and get into this. God, we thank you so much for your Spirit. We pray that you would teach. We pray that you would guide my words. Thank you, Lord, for the work that you did in my heart. I pray, Lord, that you would continue to do that work, that I would be reminded even as I teach your presence and power with me and all the work that you did. I thank you, God, that we come together under your authority and your name, and we look to your word, and we just pray that you would speak and minister. Have your way, Holy Spirit. We love you. Be exalted, Jesus. It's in your name we pray this, Jesus. Amen. Well, tonight, here's what I want to talk to you about. Walking in wisdom when it comes to your calling or the will of God for your life. What are the practical things that you can do to abide in Christ and to bear fruit? We've covered what it means to abide in Christ. We've covered what we can look not to Jesus and look to other things and get God off guard. But when we're doing that and then God speaks to us and we have a relationship with God, what do we do? What are the next steps for us? How do we implement this? And we see in this text, both scriptures and passages, Paul did everything that he could do to walk in wisdom, to be empowered by the Spirit and to fill, to fulfill his purpose and calling. And he says that we can do the same thing. We can do everything that we can do and we can let God do what he can do. And so before we get specifically into this text, I want to set some things up, okay? I want to set some things up. I want to first share some personal stories of what God did in my life. I want to then talk to you about the importance of spiritual disciplines in your life. And then I want to bring up this subject of how crafting spiritual disciplines in your own life called a rule of life, called a rule of life. So my experience, spiritual disciplines, a rule of life, and then we'll get into the text and you'll see so much more of where his mindset is coming from. Well, another important lesson that God talked to me about and really taught me in the sabbatical is when I needed more margin in my life. Uh, Margin. Margin is the space between the load and our limits. Our load and our limits. I needed more space to seek God. I needed to make some space to really invest in my relationship, not only with God, but with friends and with family. And I I think I I do a great job of keeping my Sabbath. Sabbath is a a day you take to delight in God's grace, to worship Him, and and faithfully have done that for years. But besides that one day off and that Sabbath day that I have, I cram my schedule. Do you guys do that? I mean, I'm like OCD cramming my schedule into every 15-minute increments, and stuff happens that's not only on my schedule, but piled on with emergencies even as a pastor. And so I knew as going into this sabbatical time that I would have a lot of margin, a lot of space. There would be no limits on my work because there would be none. I would stop working and I would have all this time to see God. And it was amazing. And that's what we did. But the question I needed to ask myself before, during, and after is, what's next? The sabbatical, was, it was easy. But in the real world, There are real demands in real life. And I feel like most of you will probably not take a three-month sabbatical to have so much margin. And the reality is, is the sabbatical is done now. Life is happening. Demands are 
there. Emergencies have already happened. Bible studies need to go out. Ministry is happening. And what I, in order to do all that uh, I wanted to do and all that uh, God was telling me to do, I had to create margin in my life. In order to do this, I had to make some adjustments and say no. You ever have to say no to people? Now, don't get me wrong. Sometimes it's awesome to say no. It's like, you want to go uh, help me move? Nope. I just don't got the time. Sorry, you know. But other times, you don't really want to disappoint people. There's demands. There's will. And if there's a purpose for God and we're trying to see what, how to please God, we have to say no to some even good things to say, say yes to some God things of what he's calling us to do. For me, it was coming back to a place of saying no to some work, to use Saturdays as a buffer to invest in my family still, to have time for emergencies, relationship. Uh, it was saying no to filling my schedule up with so much stuff, to have some space or some margin in it. And so even before the sabbatical happened, I started practicing this and having a thing I call a midday moment. A midday moment. I knew that I was gearing up to do nothing, so I was like, if I just go from 100 miles to zero, I'm just going to... So I got to slow myself down. I got to have some, some time and some space to see God. And, and what I call a midday moment for me is just in the middle of my day, 10 to 15 minutes, stop everything and just be aware of God's presence. And that could include singing a song, because I play guitar, or reading the Bible, reading a book about Scripture. Sometimes it would be meditating on God's truth, trying to memorize Scripture, or just it would be silence and solitude in the middle of my day. 12.45 to 1 p.m. You know what I'm going to do? I have a meeting with God. The ancients or the church fathers would call this a daily office because you would have the mindset that you're going to meet with God to make margin, to make space to do this. And you see, I not only had to pray through my calling and ask, what God do you want me to do? Do you still want us to be in Delray? What about the church and all this different stuff? But then I had to pray through how do I fulfill those things you told me to do? How do I fill in my schedule to accomplish my calling of what you told me to? And this practice isn't new to me. This is something that I've been doing and learning throughout my life, especially as I've gotten through business school and got my BA in that. Uh, it's called time management in the business world. Uh, it's being able to organize your schedule, have your priorities, align your calendar with your values. And it's a very practical task and help to accomplish the things that you prioritize and you want to value. So if you value exercise, you would schedule some time to exercise or your quiet time or you value relationships. You want to schedule time with your relationships. It's super popular in self-help books, the business world, like Steve Covey's book, Seven Habits of a Highly Effective People. He would say if you achieve inner peace when your schedule is aligned with your values. So this was nothing new to me. This is something that I've thought about, I've done. But this idea of priorities, values, aligning your life to the priorities didn't necessarily come from the marketplace or the business school, even though it's popular right now. It came from our rabbi, our master, our Lord, King Jesus. When he said, I have a yoke and you can follow me, you can align your life, your priorities to my life, and you'll actually have your life when you lose it. Jesus called us to follow him, to take his yoke, his way of life, and to be his disciple or his apprentice, to follow in discipleship, to have him rule your life as king and base your life or your schedule according to his kingdom. Jesus wanted us to reorient our lives to his priorities, the way of his kingdom. And this is a biblical thing because he says, when you follow my ways, you'll be blessed. 
In fact, one of his disciples, Peter, wrote this in 2 Peter 1 through 5. It says, for this reason, what reason? Because we have a blessed God and Father given us our Lord Jesus Christ, this gospel, this salvation, this relationship. It says, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and with knowledge and with self-control and self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. Did you catch that though in this text? This is what Paul or this is what Peter said. Make every effort. Make every effort. We're to put forth effort in abiding in Christ. We just talked about the importance of it, but the Bible also says you have to put forth effort. You have to have discipline when it comes to abiding in Christ and your calling. One commentator said, no one coast into Christ-likeness, any progress in godliness requires spirit-filled effort and purpose. Spirit-filled effort and purpose, where we partner with God in fulfilling what he wants in our life, and we have discipline when it comes to the how. And in our text today, this is what Paul is trying to get at and teach and model and share, that it takes discipline. And it takes some effort. And God, when he speaks to you, there's going to have to be some obedience. And what does that practically look like? We need wisdom. We need his spirit. We need to think about these things and pray through these things. Discipline simply means a discipline is an activity I can do by direct effect that will eventually enable me to do which something I currently can't. I just put forth an effort to do something I can. So, for example, if I, if I want to be in shape and feel good, some activity or discipline I have to do is have good, healthy living, uh, like eating right and exercising. It's simple. It's just doing sometimes stuff we already know we should be doing. And the Bible says that we can practice discipline effort when it comes to our faith in walking with Jesus and these things called spiritual disciplines. I can put forth effort in doing certain activities to enable me to grow and to make space to help me focus on God because he is the purpose. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 through 8. It says, Rather train yourself for godliness, for by, by, while bodily training is out uh, of some value, godliness is of value in every way, and it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. And so some spiritual disciplines that you may hear in Christianity or what we have are like reading the Bible, uh, praying, being here on Sunday, more, or Sunday nights, hearing the word of God, fasting, practicing generosity, silence and solitude, evangelism, serving, journaling, fellowship, and of course, practicing Sabbath. You know, the book that I love to recommend and give out is a book called Spiritual Disciplines by Donald Whitney. If you don't know that book or have never read that book, uh, you should definitely get it on Amazon or Google. You can just search it, Spiritual Disciplines, what we're talking about by Donald Whitney. I would highly recommend it. He says this, in my own pastoral and personal uh, Christian experience, I can say that I have never known a man or woman who became spiritually mature except through discipline. Godliness comes through discipline. From biblical times to our time, godly people have always been spiritually disciplined people. But here is what I want to get across to you today. Spiritual discipline is different than just a normal activity or exercise or discipline, a habit or practice. Because spiritual disciplines, 
they give you access to spiritual power, to a person, not just your own willpower, but the person of the Holy Spirit, to get you margin or a space to actually abide and be with the person of Jesus. See, you're opening yourself up to a power beyond yourself as you seek God through him. And spiritual disciplines aren't the point of spiritual disciplines. No, seeking God through them is the point. John Mark Comer, in another book that I prepped for the sabbatical, this is called The the Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. It's red, okay? Another Amazon book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, Uh, He explains with spiritual disciplines in this way. He says, you are creating time and space to access God himself at the deepest level of your being. I want you to think about that. How do you create space to access to God, to be with God? What do you do? Through practices, ordinary, easy, and in my opinion, life-giving practices, he says, grounded in the life of Jesus, we gain access to life power far beyond our own, end quote. Spiritual disciplines help us stay connected to Jesus and his presence in abiding. And Jesus invites us to follow him in his ways to seek God, and he gives the beautiful invitation to you and I as followers of him. He's made a way through the gospel. So what do we do? How do we respond? What are the practices of Jesus and the habits of Jesus that we can implement in our lives to get closer to God? For they are in means to an end. And if they become the end in itself, this is where legalism gets involved because it leads to death. It's just doing a whole bunch of good stuff, filling up our calendar once again, but in a religious way. But if we use them to get to God, they're a glorious, glorious tool. And Christians have been practicing spiritual disciplines in a way to abide Christ for 2,000 years ever since Jesus came on the scene. We have his followers doing certain things to get close to him that we could learn from, that we can do. And will there be a daily office, something like I was doing or reading through the entire Bible in a year? There are reasons why people do what they do. And there's a reason why churches implement certain practices for people to follow so that we would meet with God. But it has to take wisdom and it has to take discernment in your life to know how do I get to God? And this is what I want to talk to you about constructing a rule of life. A rule of life. Christians for many years have been pursuing God in this thing called a rule of life. Now, a rule of life contains spiritual, relational, and vocational rhythms needed to sustain the life in Christ we've been called to. They're practices of spiritual, relational, and vocational rhythms to make space so you can be with God. A rule was a schedule or set of practices to order your life around the way of Jesus in community. Monastetic orders or entire communities chose to live life together around a rule of life. And you read this in church history like the Puritans with societies that they would grow together and make covenant together and say, we're going to do these things to get to God together and to encourage one another. Let me give you an easy illustration back in the 60s, 70s. If you were to go out to the grocery store on a Sunday, it would be closed. That was a rule of life. The culture said we will stop and not do business, so we will rest and have Sabbath and worship God. This will be a rhythm in our culture and our togetherness that we recognize there's something bigger and better, and we're going to God in that. You see, don't let the name throw you off. 
It's a rule of life, not rules of life. It's a rule of life, not rules of life. Let me explain. The word rule comes from the Latin word regula, which literally means a straight piece of wood. Uh, Think of a ruler, a measuring stick, or a trellis. The structure to hold up a vine so it can grow and bear fruit, it helps the vine stay connected to the branch. In agricultural societies, they would have trellises. On our vacation, uh, part of traveling when I was out um, Inders Island doing my 24-hour sabbatical, they had all these vineyards and vines, and there was these sticks that helped the vines stay connected to the branch. Uh, when we were at a farm in Jersey, I saw the same thing, like with a, I think it was a, a peach tree when they were small. They would have these sticks to hold them straight so they would stay connected to the branch. These are rhythms, structures, and systems to help abide. And John Mark Comer in this book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, really gave me the language and practice and think about this because I didn't want to set myself up because I was going to have all the margin in the world on a sabbatical. But what about real life? What about you and I right now when we got to go to work tomorrow and work 40, 50, 60 hours? He says this beautifully on page 95, and I'm just going to read it because I think he does a beautiful job articulating this idea of implementing spiritual disciplines in your life. He says, what a trellis is to a vine, a rule of life is to abiding. It is a structure, in this case, a schedule and set of practices to set up abiding as the central pursuit of your life. It is a way to organize all of your life around the practice of of the presence of God to work and rest and play and eat and drink and hang out with friends and run errands and catch up on the news all out of a place of deep loving enjoyment of the father's company if a vine doesn't have a trellis it will die and if your life with Jesus doesn't have some kind of structure to facilitate health and grow it will wither away Following Jesus has to make it into your schedule and into your practices or it will simply never happen. Apprenticeship to Jesus will remain an idea and not a reality in your life. End quote. You see, a rule of life doesn't replace the branch, God. It's the structure to help you depend on the branch even more. It takes effort, wisdom, discipline, all on your part to say, how can I implement certain spiritual disciplines to get me to God? And it's okay as Christians to put forth effort in our salvation. To say, you know what? I want to respond to the beauty of the gospel and what God's told me to do, and I want to obey. What does it look like to obey? To get strength from God? If, if I'm called to be a teacher, how, how should I study? What does that look like? Moses reiterated and reminded the Israelites of this. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9, when the Israelites were going into the promised land, he wanted to tell them to do something and to stay close to Christ. And he tells them, only take care and keep your soul diligently. Are you walking in wisdom? Are you keeping your soul diligently to remain in Christ? Doesn't that just sound amazing? Walking with God and having such a deep relationship with God that everything that you do, you know that he's with you and you're practicing the presence of God with you wherever you go in good and in bad. Moses said, keep your soul diligently lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children. John Mark Comer goes on and says this, quote, the hard truth is that following Jesus is something you do. It's a practice, 
as much as of faith. At your core, the practices of Jesus are about relationship, a relationship with God. And all your relationships take time. They take time. And I know that your schedule may be different than my schedule, but we all have the same 24 hours a day. And how come there are certain people that are just super close with God and other people that struggle, that both are saved? I want to argue that there is the grace of God through spiritual discipline and abiding in Christ. And they have set up systems and sacrifice and obedience to just meet with God regularly. And you can do the same thing. You can meet with God. You can know God. You can practice prioritizing the general and specific will of God in your life. And we need this wisdom from God to say, Lord, how do I do it now? How do I do it? Like we talked about last time, you got to make a decision. You got to be like the prophet Daniel and resolve in your heart, I'm going to follow God. What does that look like? Lord, I need your wisdom. In this article that I will resource with you, this article and a worksheet of how to rule a, 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 how to construct a rule of life on this message when we post it on our website this week. You can look at this article. You can look at a worksheet to sort of look through and process to gain wisdom from it. Uh, he says, Jeremy Lemon says, my experience as a pastor has shown me that many of my friends and church members aren't undone by poor theology or a lack of biblical information. Instead, we often fail to grow spiritually because we have, haven't planned and made space for deep, abiding fellowship with God. Not legalism, just space with God. Like what you're doing right now. You took the time and effort. There was something in your heart that said, I want to come tonight. I want to hear from the Lord. And as we're singing, as we're praying, and as we're studying God's word, you're, you're getting built up and your faith is being lifted up as you're looking to the word. Pete Scazzaro said about a rule of life, an intention, it's an intentional conscious plan to keep God at the center of everything we do. The starting point and foundation of any rule is a desire to be with God and to love him. And this is what I want for you, church. I want you to have a rule of life. I want you to make space and margin. Even when you don't practice a sabbatical or three-month season. That God has given us a Sabbath time to reflect, time to know Him, to continue to proactively contemplate and receive the things of the Lord. Proverbs 4.26 Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Are you pondering? Are you considering? Are you walking in wisdom? Proverbs 14.5 says, The prudent gives thought to his steps. You know, the Bible tells us we're to walk and worship not only with our hearts and soul, not only with our strength, but with our minds. Are you considering? Are you pondering? And this is where our text comes into play. No, I didn't forget about it. I know you guys thought I did. Because we usually just read it and go through it. But I want this set up. I want you to think how Paul gives us this example. Walking in wisdom. He not only leads the way in doing this, but he teaches us to be contemplative or prudent in our approach to walking with God. That this is an act of worship. Now, if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 20, Paul, he says, I do all things for the sake of the gospel. He made himself a servant, even though he was free. He said he came under the law to win Jews. But then he lived 
not under the law, with Gentiles to win them. He became weak to those who were weak. He became all things to all people that by all means I might save some, he says. Now at first you sort of think, Paul, you're a little schizophrenic here, okay? You're doing this, you're doing that. You're being this, you're being that. You're flip-flopping, you're doing this, you're doing that. But we see in Paul, he is just adjusting to whatever season or circumstance in his life to fulfill his calling, winning people to Jesus. He knew his calling so much that he was adjusting his lifestyle to fulfill it in wisdom. You see, remember he got called by Jesus. He heard what the will of God was for his life in Acts chapter 9. And he knew that he would suffer for the gospel and be a preacher of the gospel to do everything he could to share the gospel with people. And so then he's like, so now I'm free. Nope, now I'm not. Now I'm weak, but now I'm strong. Now I'm doing this. Now I'm doing that. You're like, dude, your life is all over the place. It was. Because depending on the circumstance, he would change his lifestyle to fulfill his calling. It's a biblical thing. God wants you to change your lifestyle to fulfill the calling he has for you. And once he discerned his calling by learning from the Lord, he adjusted his life. He goes on in verse 24 through 27 and he tells us the importance of discipline when it comes to our calling. So he's saying, I'm doing all this, I'm doing that, I'm doing this. And he's saying all these things, and he gives this example of a runner. And he says, a runner trains, does certain exercises, eats healthy, does several things to win a perishable crown. But he says, how much more should we train and be focused to walk in wisdom and to win our race? that God has called us to do. He says, I discipline my body and keep it under control. Discipline. Practice. Habits. Structure. Effort. Paul would not only do this for himself, but he would teach people to follow the ways of Christ, imitate him, 1 Corinthians 11, 1, and then he would teach this doctrine in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through 18, he would again tell us to walk in wisdom when it comes to our calling. He says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but wise, making the best use of time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is a debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Again, we are looking Carefully, we're pondering our ways. We're contemplating how we're to walk and to be wise. And he says we are to make the best use of our time. Every opportunity you have, how are you giving, how has God given that to you as an opportunity? How are you making the best use of your time? Which, let me just say this, implies you can make bad decisions when it comes to your time. He says that the days are evil and you have a choice and you can make a wise decision, but that also means the inverse, you can make a foolish decision with the opportunities and time God has given you here on this earth. And we should know this because we've talked about this, but some of the foolish things that God would say not to do is to walk in disobedience of Him, sinful decisions. Because when we make sinful decisions, it produces death. That's why He said in 1 Corinthians, hey, lest after preaching to others, I myself be disqualified. He didn't want to go and walk into sin and be foolish with the time and the life God gave him. He wanted to please God, obey God, and then do things that applied to his life through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me remind you that it's always wise to walk in righteousness. 
and holiness. Isaiah 59.2 says, Your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden His face from you so that He does not hear you. This is why Paul would tell Timothy to stay pure, to walk in holiness. And this is why God tells us to walk in holiness, righteousness, because He wants us blessed with the time that He's given. 2 Timothy 2.21, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. And so Paul said he wanted to be purposeful in holy living, in wise living, so that he just wasn't boxing, beating the air, there was a target, there was an aim, there, there was a schedule, a system. He wanted to walk in wisdom and walk in the will of God. And so in verse 17 and 18, he tells us to understand what the will of God is for our lives and be filled with the Spirit to accomplish it. Now notice religious Christian and people that like to have to-do lists. He does not say, do a whole bunch of spiritual disciplines to accomplish the will of God. Did you notice that? He says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Go to God. Get empowering from Him, not your own effort. Why? Because spiritual disciplines and even having a rule of life and structure isn't the point of your life. Jesus should be. And the goal of a spiritual discipline or a rule of life is to get to Jesus. We practice these things to get in the presence of God to receive His power. And so we establish rhythms of grace to make space so that we can meet with God and we can enjoy the power of the Holy Spirit and the presence of the Spirit and be filled with the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit. Remember, spiritual disciplines are different than just common discipline because they give us access to spiritual power and not just our own willpower. And so we're to be filled with the Holy Spirit when understanding how to apply the will of God. And this is why we need the wisdom of God talking to God through prayer and saying, so... How do I do this, God? How can you empower me to do this? You're opening yourself up to a power beyond yourself as you seek God through them. They aren't the point, but seeking God through them is the point. And so my message title for you today is this. It's one for you to take out of this room and to pray through. How are you walking in wisdom? What spiritual disciplines do you need to practice to meet with God? What is your rule of life? The rhythms, the space, the the margin, the opportunities. God has gifted us with time and grace. And I know that we all have responsibilities and we all have work. But is there a way that we can have a structure in our lives to get us closer to God? Maybe the discipline of fellowship and having loving accountability. Maybe being more generous so that the God of mammon or possessions wouldn't take so much of a hold on our lives. Maybe faithfully committing to come every Sunday night to hear God's Word because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. You know that there are some biblical things that you can practice to get closer to God. Don't let the enemy deceive you and let you walk out the door thinking, well, I can't get close to God. Absolutely. Because we just prayed and had worship and communion and we're in fellowship with God through the Gospel and it's just our opportunity and our response to walk by faith, trusting the gospel and saying, God, I just need to keep on going back to you. 
I don't need to do these things to get better and try harder. I'm already forgiven. I'm already loved by you. I just need to go to you and just keep on receiving the love that you have for us. Have for me. And so James 1.5 says, if you lack wisdom, ask. And so what I'd like to do is just close out our service by just asking. Let's just ask God through prayer that he would give us wisdom. Does that sound good? God wants to give you wisdom. He wants to give you revelation. He wants for you to know him. And I would highly recommend you contemplate and check out maybe that article that I'll post up on our website or you know, read one of those books I recommend, uh, create a rule of life. But the reality is there's all just to get you focused on God. And so now let's close our service by just praying and asking God for these things. Lord, we thank you so much that we can pray and talk to you. And so God, I just want to close out our service, not by singing a song or um, doing something normal, but just, just waiting upon you, Lord. Your word tells us we can taste and see that you are good. I pray, Lord, that as we wait upon you and as we think through, that your spirit right now would give wisdom, that you would minister and speak, that ideas right now would come into our minds of some practical things we can do to get closer to you and to pursue you. That's what we've come here tonight to do, and we want to continue to practice that throughout our week. We don't want our life to be just a religious service. We want to be under your authority and under your rule and your reign. So as your children, God, we're coming to you and asking for a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit to be empowered to walk in your way. We're asking right now for wisdom. How to be a spouse, how to be a parent, even a child. Lord, how to walk in wisdom. We not only want to hear your voice, Lord, we want to be enabled to do these things. And so we thank you, God, for this time to study your word and know that you don't leave us high and dry, but you've given us your spirit, you've given us direction. And so this week, continue to teach us as we continue to ponder these truths and contemplate. Let us ponder our ways. Let us walk in wisdom. Let us give glory to you. We surrender our lives once again, God. We thank you this is a house of prayer. That you are with us. That we can come in this space and worship you and all that we do. And we pray, God, as we leave this place, we will be different. Holy Spirit, transform our lives. May we see more of Jesus. And we just ask this in your powerful and precious name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. This is Pastor Daniel Williams with Redemption Church. Thank you so much for listening to this message. You can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Google Play, or YouTube, so you never miss a message. The mission of Redemption Church is to pursue and to proclaim Jesus, and we would love to have you partner with us. Feel free to share these messages with your family and friends. And also, if you'd like to donate to the ministry, go to redemptiondb.com. God bless you.